Welcome to FIC Focus, where Bloomberg Intelligence fixed income, credit currency, and commodity strategists and analysts discuss their short and long-term views on debt markets and issuers. Now, here's the Bloomberg Intelligence FIC research team. It's November 19th, 2021. We are well over a year and a half into this pandemic. And seemingly, municipal credit appears to be on the soundest footing it has been in years. If one were to place blinders on and solely look at option-adjusted spreads for almost any municipal sector, especially high yield, the idea that there is still so much uncertainty both in public health and the larger economy would be surprising. I'm Eric Kazatsky, Head of Municipal Strategy here at Bloomberg Intelligence, and thank you for joining us for our latest episode of Masters of the Universe. This week, we are joined by Jim Colby, Portfolio Manager for the Vanek Vectors High Yield Municipal ETF, or HYD, to look at the current state of municipal credit, specifically high yield. But before we even get to the current market, no discussion would be complete without a thorough postmortem of the infamous March of 2020 for HYD. For those of you who don't know Jim, he's been a member of the investment management team at Vanek since 2007 and has a deep history in both portfolio management, specifically high yield municipals. Jim, welcome to the show. Thanks, Eric. Thanks for having me. So, you know, for those who are unfamiliar with VanEck and specifically HYD, maybe just give us like a a 10,000 foot level view of of the fund itself, um, active versus passive, AUM, just sort of the broad strokes to paint a picture. Eric, back in 2007, when uh, a couple of different organizations were looking at different asset classes, uh, with which to employ the ETF model, uh, Vanek uh, came upon municipals as as a target. And as I had discussions with the management team about the characteristics of the municipal market, it included uh, both the discussion about investment grade as well as high yield as a complement, uh, and uh, a rounding out as as it were to the um, you know the potential offering. Uh, that the VanEck was considering to to make, and in fact, uh, that's exactly what we did. Uh, our uh, our structure uh, includes three investment grade portfolios and two high yield. Uh, HYD being uh, currently being the flagship uh, offering for VanEck in the municipal space. Mm-hmm. What kind of size is the fund right now? Eric, currently we're at about 3.6 billion, 6.7 billion, 6.8 billion overall assets in uh, our municipal suite. Uh, HYD, uh, as you might imagine, uh, launching uh, just prior to the the financial crisis in 08 and 09, got off to a slow start. Uh, you know, as investors were uh, both curious about uh, how a high yield product was going to uh, function in in the municipal marketplace um, as that had previously just been the domain of very sophisticated uh, investors. Uh, But once we get past uh, that uh, crisis time, we found footing and have uh, added AUM to the uh, portfolio uh, in a fairly linear sense. Yeah, I mean, fund flows have been pretty tremendous if you think about, you know, the volatility that we had last year. And specifically, high yield fund flows have, have been quite impressive, um, you know, as a percentage of what the total market has has sort of brought in over the last 18 months. But, 
you know, I want to I want to sort of go back in time before we talk about what's going on now, because I, I think it merits a discussion just because of the historic nature of what occurred. Now, obviously, it's historic because we're had a pandemic. We're still contending with the pandemic. But in the sense that the people who are critics of ETFs and they say that it can't handle volatility and market disruptions, you've certainly proven them wrong. And just sort of to give some context to those who are unfamiliar with sort of the mechanics of what happened in March of 2020, you know, the the NAV uh, for your fund swung to a 27% discount. Now, to give that some context, those sort of volatile swings are really unheard of when it comes to ETFs, Jim. And we sort of got together with our ETF analyst and went through all the ETFs on Terminal and looked at all the NAVs over the last decade and a half. There was only one other time we could point to a swing that large. It was actually another VanEck fund. You guys have an Egypt fund. And there was a 27% premium uh, in 2011. And at that time, their, their market was actually closed for a month. So, you know, in a historic context, to have that sharp of a move from municipals, let alone high yield municipals, was really tremendous. I mean, talk us through sort of what the mindset was as that was unfolding and, and how you were best able to sort of navigate those choppy waters. Well, let, let me see if I can put this uh, as concisely as possible. Going into March of, of 2020, uh, the fund itself had uh, reached the $4 billion mark. And as this is a, a 40-act fund uh, relying on broad diversification, uh, you can imagine that we held uh, quite uh, a, a collection of uh, high-yield bonds in the portfolio. In fact, the number uh, was was close to uh, to 2,000 uh, in terms of the number of line items we we had, which meant uh, there were going to be some uh, some names in there that you know the uh, average or even the investor who is familiar with uh, municipal high yield would not would not be certain uh, in terms of under, the understanding of uh, of the credit worthiness of you know that particular issuer. And coming into uh, coming into March. Uh, we were, uh, you know, we were we were in a situation in a marketplace where uh, demand continued to outstrip supply. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we just did not have uh, the variety and the and the volume of new issuance, uh, to, you know, to more broadly build out the portfolio, which is our essentially our mandate here. So we get to we get to COVID. We get to the uh, you know, the first couple of weeks of, of, of March and uh, everybody, not just in the municipal space, but everybody is sourcing uh, liquidity, uh, if not going to cash, going to cash equivalents. And, mm-hmm. and that uh, impacted HYD uh, to, to, uh, to the extreme, I, I might add. Why? Because uh, the, the uncertainty about what COVID represented uh, long-term, the shutting down of uh, our local and uh, national and international economies uh, left, left people uh, very, uh, very concerned about the near-term future. Yeah. So it made sense that we would see redemptions occur. And, and that, uh, that process uh, evolved into that discount situation that, uh, that you just mentioned. I mean, you know, obviously, like you guys probably do some sort of stress test modeling for, you know, redemptions coming in and you have an idea of, you know, what, what the most liquid of those securities are and what gets sold first. I mean, 
you know, what, what sort of was going on within the halls of Van Eck when you hit redemption levels to the extent that they came in and you're, you're sort of trying to figure out where on the next rung of liquidity that you're going to, to sell, you know, is that, is that something that has sort of framed, you know, newer policies going forward in case we have a disruption like that again? When we first built uh, the, uh, the model for HYD, uh, we came to understand that uh, in active high-yield portfolios, broadly speaking, uh, anywhere from uh, 15 to 30% of the portfolio holdings uh, were invested in uh, investment-grade bonds, high-grade, A-rated, oh, A-plus, and that is the liquidity sleeve that these active portfolios use to, to meet redemptions if and when that occurs. Mm-hmm. Uh, we knew that uh, in order to deliver uh, a product uh, in the high yield space that was actually high yield, that that represented uh, to the investors that if there was uh, an ability to uh, to meet liquidity demands, situations such as we had in March of, uh, of, of 2020, the portfolio was, was prepared to do that. So our structure, Eric, was, was this, uh, fully 25% of the of the uh, portfolio uh, compared to our index is triple uh, B securities. Now that's not single A, it's not triple A, of course, but it's still at the bottom of the investment grade spectrum, which represents as far as the SEC and the New York Exchange, uh, New York Stock Exchange was concerned, um, an, an important liquidity premium to offer uh, in the context of a high yield portfolio. Mm. Still, when it came to meeting redemptions, when the when the pressure came upon us in March uh, to provide liquidity to meet the redemption flows that uh, that came to us those those first three or four weeks, it wasn't just triple B securities we were uh, we, we were disposing of. It was a broad spectrum uh, in turn that, that looked a, a great deal like. Uh, the modeling that we do when we buy securities. It's a broadly diversified uh, set of uh, securities that uh, that we disposed of amongst different sectors of the marketplace, amongst different credit qualities, you know, from, from triple B down to triple C, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, that process uh, is one that we had prepared for and had managed to uh, uh, to convince our, our counterparts, the market makers, to, to accept, you know, in times of stress. Now, the discount occurred uh, be- because the, the difference was palpable, I think, for the market makers trying to decide what where is the real value lie? Did the NAV properly represent the underlying value of, uh, of, of the portfolio? And if they felt uncertain about whether or not that was accurate, uh, they moved the price of the stock, the security, HYD, further away from the from the net asset value, which created the, that discount that you mentioned uh, sure. before. And, you know, I, it's, it was my feeling at the time, and for what that's worth, right, um, that the NAV was actually a leading indicator of where cash bonds in the high yield market should have been, right? We, we did a statistical study. I want to say it was probably mid to late March. 
And it led us to write uh, a note at that time that we called HYD the proverbial canary in the high yield coal mine. Um, just because we, we were able to tease out that the nav on your phone was actually uh, a positive leading indicator of where high yield cash bonds were by almost two days, which is pretty interesting, right? Because you would have a lead time if you were trying to arb that out, um, if you were you know, astute and paying attention at that time to what was going on between you know, the, the funds nav and the cash market. I mean, is that something that you guys are aware of and something that you're trying to minimize going forward or will any sort of disruption just always sort of present an opportunity like that? Uh, we, we try to inform our clients. We try to inform our colleagues uh, who do the market making uh, exactly uh, what the mechanics of the municipal high yield market look like and, and our ability and their ability to source uh, to source liquidity mm-hmm. uh, in any market environment uh, with different types of different types of bonds. So, uh, so and so. In fact, yes, you know the that discount you know, represented you know moments of uncertainty, and certainly the market makers didn't didn't know one day to the next whether or not they were going to have to come back to us with more uh, shares in you know, redemption flow that was coming coming their way. Mm-hmm. You know, they they had to make the markets, um, you know, according to what they saw. Um, uh, but the fact is that the, the net asset value of the portfolio held up uh, pretty well under very extreme circumstances. And I'm sure your your numbers, Eric, show that if you move forward in the calendar to May, June, July, uh, you'll you'll see that in fact the discount narrowed. Uh, very substantially in a very short period of time, meaning that uh, that the market makers uh, recognize the the inherent and underlying value uh, of the bonds that uh, are in the portfolio, and, and the fact that you know liquidity was being sourced. Yeah. Uh, the the portfolio and the and the ETF itself was uh, performing as advertised. Well, you know, it's interesting. So. Obviously, yes, if we fast forward a couple of weeks, that, that discount disappears, right, or significantly declines. You know, then another thing happened in those preceding weeks, though, right? We, we had an announcement from the Federal Reserve that there was a bunch of support programs uh, in place um, for different sectors, one of them being municipal. So, you know, to your point that the market makers recognize the value in the underlying baskets, how much more impact do you think the Fed announcement actually had in helping to sort of normalize that NAV? Well, the, the Fed's support uh, unquestionably, undoubtedly, uh, you know, provided a, uh, a very important backstop uh, for municipal issuers and and for individuals, for households at the at, at the local level. Without that support, uh, you know, commerce would have come. Uh, to, to a screeching halt, and and there's not uh, there's no way of telling exactly uh, how uh, credit quality would have uh, would have emerged from you know an episode of that nature. But uh, you know, to you know, an interesting point here is that despite all the uh, all the financial support the Fed uh, verbalized and voiced during that period of time. Uh, very little of it actually was sourced uh, by you know, municipal entities, you know, to uh, you know, to provide near-term, you know, cash equivalent support 
in, in their uh, local communities. Uh, good news for those that needed it and used it. Uh, even better news for the rest of the marketplace uh, once they realized that, uh, that that there was enough in the support in the system to uh, to, to keep communities uh, and economies above water and and operating uh, during mm-hmm. you know, what was a very very difficult time. So. Um, Net net, what happened uh, was was a, a support for municipal credit and particularly in municipal high yield. Yep. Uh, the valuations were were proven out with that uh, the help of the Fed. No doubt that they helped. I mean, you know, I guess in some ways I think that they they distorted the value of some baskets of credit, and you know, it's a whole different conversation we can have, and it's something I want to touch on in a couple minutes. But you know, just still sort of hovering around twenty twenty. It's interesting because you you mentioned that there's a variety of different ratings, you know, buckets that go into HYD, anything from triple B all the way down to triple C non-rated. And those are completely different animals. I mean, they're, they're, they're not even the same sort of high yield creatures. And, you know, at the time, one of my thoughts was that I almost equated the high yield muni market to sort of Dante's Inferno, like the nine circles of muni high yield credit, right? I feel like I had a nagging sensation that we really didn't get true price discovery in municipal high yield. And a lot of that might have to do with the fact that there are significant holders out there of entire deals, right? But I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, is that something that I'm just imagining or is that something that actually is possible that we really didn't find out what these things are worth really? Well, I think that that's a, that's a topic, uh, with a very lengthy answer to it, Eric. Overall, I would say that maybe fewer, fewer than you know, 25, 30% of all outstanding uh, high yield bonds trade in pick a time period, pick a time period, a quarter, a year. Um, and, and the reason for that is uh, in part what you just, what you just voiced, which is uh, there are uh, significant portfolios that hold entire deals. Mm-hmm. And although those bonds uh, are part of the index that I managed to uh, and and would be able to hold if available, they, they just never, uh, they never appear. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and it's hard to say exactly what their value is uh, because there's no test to the, to the marketplace. And that's, yeah. you know, that's part of the, uh, part of the discussion about, uh, uh, about bringing a high yield ETF in, into the marketplace yep. uh, for, for individuals who don't understand or know credit for individuals who are, uh, who are not aware of the, you know, the broader market. Uh, you know, it, it was, it was an important milestone for us to, uh, to, to get the confidence of the, of the SEC to bring this to market and say, here's a very diversified uh, and it will be a very diversified portfolio, where where individuals uh, that previously had no access to to a product like this could uh, feel some safety and comfort in in pursuing municipal high yield, uh, earning that additional income, you know, over and above uh, what's delivered in the investment grade yeah. universe, uh, and and knowing that. You know, this thing is going to be uh, professionally professionally managed, given uh, you know, given voice to its uh, success by 
not just the provider, which is Van Eck. It is also, uh, you know, the domain of the of the dealers in the marketplace that uh, that trade, you know, the, this particular stock. But if you're if you're managing to an index, of which there are a decent amount of components that are just not available for sale, how do you manage around that? I mean, it seems very confusing to me. The the index, Eric, that uh, that we manage to, and and in full disclosure, Bloomberg is the uh, index provider for uh, for HYD. The index itself is over six thousand uh, different securities, mm-hmm. and. As we are a regulated uh, 40 Act fund, we have diversification requirements that we need to, uh, to we need to meet on a, on a regular basis. Which means, if I'm holding 1,800 or 1,900 different securities, uh, I am not putting all my eggs in one basket or you know three or four baskets. Uh, we may hold you know fairly significant positions in certain securities, but uh, that is uh, comparable, easily comparable to what the index suggests is appropriate. Is appropriate. Yep. Trying to find, you know, trying to find bonds, uh, you know, in in times when uh, they are scarce is, you know, part of the art of of managing this portfolio, managing municipals in general. Yeah. Now, I, I I'm going to take a guess here, and it's really not a guess because I actually know what your portfolio looks like. But you mentioned overweight, and and I know that you guys um, you know, have been overweight in, in the tobacco sector, right? So let's fast forward to now, right? And then the market has sort of recovered and evolved and changed. So the market is finite, right? In that there, there's usually within like a certain tolerance band. X number of municipal bonds that are in the index. It doesn't really explode in growth, right? But we've had some changes recently, and there's been significant refundings uh, in a good amount of the Golden State tobacco bonds. And now we've had some resolution on Puerto Rico. So the high yield universe is actually getting smaller, something that hasn't really happened in a while. How does that impact your strategy going forward? Eric, part of the process is that, uh, as, I, as I've alluded to earlier, I managed this portfolio against the index that is provided by your organization, Bloomberg, mm-hmm. and the index itself is organic. It adjusts to changes in the marketplace uh, to, to the extent that tobacco securitization bonds as a sector uh, is, is diminished from you know, prior years, which in fact is, has, has happened. Uh, it's going to cause the uh, other sectors to adjust in terms of their weights in order to deliver, you know, a, a complete composite, if you will, of, mm-hmm. of municipal high yield. So in fact, uh, transportation or education, uh, housing, uh, you know, water and sewer securities, the, the weights um, in those sectors are going to uh, change and adjust. And it's, it's my responsibility to adjust with uh, and recognize those changes you know, to, to put the portfolio back on uh, equilibrium footing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's, yes, it's a challenge, uh, of course, and we continue to, to hope uh, for and look for, uh, for, for new issues that uh, will be additive, uh, not only to the portfolio, but to the index so that we can yeah. continue to deliver the, you know, the product. But that's really how we, uh, we see uh, and, ad- and adjust to changes. No, I, I, being a passive manager, I know that fundamental credit 
you know, isn't the main focus, right? Um, it's almost secondary to just structure and, and, and sort of, you know, technical management, you know, to the index. But I, I do want to ask, right, outperformance immunity since the beginning of the pandemic, really, it's been focused on duration and credit, like those two different buckets of the index have had the best performance. So breaking out your crystal ball and, you know, just getting your expertise here for a second, can you give us some insights into your thinking for municipal credit into next year? Apart from uh, senior living facilities, which uh, fall under the, um, the broader headline of, uh, of health care, uh, I, th- I think that the credit quality in the, in the municipal space will continue to, to be solid, if not show improvements in, in, in specific areas. Look, the, um, you know, starting with uh, you know the Fed support and CARES, the CARES Act, and and the recent legislation uh, passed and uh, signed into law by uh, President Biden is going to provide uh, untold billions of dollars uh, to to flow into different communities for uh, for infrastructure uh, mm-hmm. products, and and that will in itself be a boon and a boost to. Uh, to the marketplace, having those federal dollars in hand uh, will make it possible for uh, communities to, you know, to, to rebuild where necessary, you know, um, existing structures or, or, or new facilities. Yeah. I do think that that is a solid backdrop uh, that, that will continue to provide support to, you know, the municipal universe in general, uh, municipal high yield overall. I mean, it seems like the rating agencies are, are completely bulled up in terms of municipal credit. I mean, we've had multiple outlook changes to Illinois, to Chicago, and a multiple notch upgrade for Hartford. I mean, from, from a strategist perspective, it makes my job tougher because there's no one to really pick on anymore from you know, a poor credit perspective. <laughs> but it does uh, certainly um, echo your sentiment that the, the backdrop is pretty positive going into next year. You mentioned the the billions flowing into communities. We, just real quick, what are your thoughts that the key provisions for munis were left out of you know any sort of um, bill that's uh, flowing through government right now? Well, I, th- I think that right now, if we had all the legislation on uh, uh, on the table and signed, uh, it would appear that we're not going to get relief uh, in terms of the uh, advanced refunding provisions that. In past years, have, have provided for you know 25 or 30 percent of the overall volume in the municipal marketplace, it, it, let alone to provide relief to uh, to issuers, municipalities who've issued debt have because of the level of interest rates and timing, mm-hmm. have opportunities to to refinance at significantly uh, lower cost burdens. That is perhaps the uh, you know the one provision that that I, I feel. Uh, would be extremely beneficial to to our marketplace. We we're looking at the next year or two, Eric, diminished supply and and the demand uh, for for municipals because of the possibility and a potential for higher higher tax rates, uh, the uncertainty about the you know the limitations of the exemptions that used to be uh, you know part of our our world for state and local government taxes, for example, put munis right back in the crosshairs in terms of opportunistic decisions by uh, by financial advisors and, uh, and and investors so 
Muni's will continue to have uh, a very strong place in uh, investors' portfolios. The, the supply-demand equation will continue to be part of uh, your discussion, as it will be mine, uh, going forward uh, yep. with the absence of some of these provisions. Yeah, it seems like that it really is the uh, the constant in our market, right? The supply-demand imbalance, and just I think the challenge for me is finding creative ways to to write about that week in, week out, without saying the same thing over and over again. Um, so we, we write a piece each January um, just talking about the shifting market in municipals because you know, there is constant um, evolution, uh, whether the market participants like it or not. But, you know, two of the trends that have really persisted in recent years have been the, the decline in the amount of dealers in our industry, um, as well as a compression in fees in general, you know, not just for fund managers, but SMAs, uh, you know, all across the board. Do you see that trend persisting or do you think we've reached a plateau? It, it's hard to say whether we've reached a plateau, Eric, uh, because uh, as it is the case in many other industries, uh, technology has uh, enhanced uh, various aspects of, uh, of the business of municipal finance. Um, bankers uh, are, are armed with uh, more technology and more sophisticated modeling to to help issuers uh, bring bring deals to the marketplace and and similarly issuers themselves uh, have better tools with which to uh, to to manage uh, their processes and operate operate more efficiently. All of that has driven down uh, driven down the costs uh, of accessing capital markets and and issuing bonds. That in turn, has uh, has flowed directly over to, uh, you know, to the dealer community. Um, as long as I've been in this market, uh, in in this business, uh, I have seen uh, a reduction in the number of uh, of dealers in the municipal space. I have seen a reduction in the inventory, the the, the cap capital commitments that uh, that some of these firms are making to. Uh, to the municipal space, which uh, you know, which which raises uh, some eyebrows in terms of you know what uh, what this industry is going to look like going forward. I don't, I, I can't tell you that. Yeah. Uh, this is a you know this this is a step by step, year by year process that will that will continue. But clearly, it it has had an impact and, yeah. and uh, will continue to have an effect. It's hard to see the pendulum swinging the other way, right? I mean that that's sort of really hard for me to conceptualize that, you know, at some point investors would just say, yeah, I'm good with paying more for services, you know, when they've sort of gotten a taste of the cheap snacks, um, especially when you sort of have um, one of some of the bigger platforms charging single digits, um, you know, it, it really sort of clouds the value proposition at times, you know, unfortunately. Um, Jim, I want to thank you for joining us today. This has been fantastic. Uh, again, Jim Colby, Van Eck Vectors, High Yield Municipal ETF, ticker is HYD if you want to look it up. Um, please join us for our next episode in the beginning of December. Um, we're going to be talking 2022 outlooks, and we'll be joined by uh, strategists from around the market to sort of put our heads together and figure out what 2022 is going to look like. Until then, thanks so much. Thanks.